0: Welcome to Poldark Fancast, a podcast about all things Poldark. And before we kick things off, we should probably introduce ourselves.
1: My name is Rita. I live in England. I Tumblr at Princess of Poldark and I tweet at Rita Bites.
0: And I'm Michelle. I live in the States. You can find me on Tumblr at Poldark Muses and I tweet at Musings.
1: Now, before we get started, I just wanted to point out that this is our 100th podcast. I know that's, like, fucking confusing because it's only episode 70, but if you include our commentary tracks, and believe me, I do, then we are on number 100, and I, for one, cannot believe it. Me neither. When we started this in 2016, I never imagined we would still be doing it now or that anyone would listen. (laughs) And I have to say thank you to Michelle for waking up at 5am for weeks at a time. (laughs) You are a goddess. Uh, And for Delondo, who was a big part of the success of this podcast. And of course, to all of you guys for listening. You've stuck with us through terrible sound quality, the pet (laughs) noises that are going on right this moment. Uh, We really (laughs) appreciate that you guys listen and take the time to get in contact with us. So thank you.
0: Thank you very much, everybody. Okay, so last week, Season 5 came to its conclusion, so it's our time to do a Season 5 wrap-up. We do weekly recaps to talk about the episodes individually, but we want to talk about this season as a whole, because we can get into the pacing, the story arcs, uh, the theme for the season, and you can count on us getting into that um, after a very brief recap of our season.
1: Alright, right, so episode one. Ross tried to help his friend Ned Despard, who had been imprisoned without trial. Ralph Hansen, who put Ned in jail, befriended George in an attempt to get investment and even tried to matchmake George with his daughter Cecily. George wasn't too interested because he was having a massive breakdown and hallucinating seeing Elizabeth. Meanwhile, Tres Tregidin tried to burn Ampara down in a poor attempt at aping the French revolution and demelza tried to get her on side by hiring her on as a maid following an incident at Drury Lane where Ross stopped an assassination attempt on the king he comes into contact with not that Mr Wickham spymaster for the crown and in exchange for Ross's service he got Ned released
0: So episode two, uh, Ned now wants to clear his name, and so Ross spends the episode looking for his secretary from Honduras to speak out about his good character. Jeffrey Charles started flirting with Cecily and courting her in secret. George got knighted, but kept seeing Elizabeth everywhere, so his uncle spirited him back to Trenwith. Dwight testified to the insanity of the man who attempted to kill the king, and was successful in sparing him the noose. Ross eventually found the secretary and published a pamphlet with his statement, but in doing so, humiliated the government. Not that Mr. Wickham asks him to report on Ned's actions, so everyone flees back to Cornwall. They ended with the secretary's dead body being discovered.
1: Episode 3 Melzer decides that the children of the village need to learn how to read and starts up a school one day a week. There was a mine collapse at Wheel Plenty, which was a Willagan mine. Russ and his merry band of idiots decide to risk their lives and blast their way into the shaft and haul out survivors. George, meanwhile, spends the episode on the receiving end of some horrible treatments for insanity from Dr Penrose, which include blistering, drowning and being tied to his own bed. Eventually, he escapes and runs off to Nampara, where he sees Valentine in the company of Ross, and then runs off to try and kill himself by jumping off a cliff. Dwight stops him and offers to help George get better.
0: Uh, episode 4. Uh, George's treatment goes well. Dwight manages to convince him that Elizabeth is dead and that he needs to treasure his children. Marwenna starts stalking John Conan the child she gave up to Lady Whitworth. Geoffrey Charles confesses his love to Cecily. After freaking out a bit, she says she reciprocates. Ross spends the episode trying to buy wheel Plenty from the Legends after they close it, even goes so far as to put his entire estate in jeopardy in the process. Uh, he is prevented from this madness by a riot started by Ned. The angry, weapon-clutching villagers march on Trenwith Ned confronts George and pushes him down a flight of stairs, breaking his arm. To defuse the situation, George promises to reopen Wheel Plenty and hire on more people.
1: Episode 5. Everyone minus Demelza headed to London. She had to deal with a new distribution of paper money in Cornwall, which causes a stir among the miners and leads Tess and Jacka plotting to produce forgeries. Demelza cracks down and warns them that if she finds another forgery, it's off to the noose for them. Moenna is caught sneaking into Lady Whitworth's and is forced to say goodbye to John Conan. She says that doing so means she can sleep with Drake now. Bizarre. In London, Ross and George go head-to-head in Parliament debating slavery. Geoffrey Charles offers to marry Cecily and is rejected by Ralph, who is still pursuing George as a groom. Ned spends the episode getting drunk and belligerently screaming that the king is mad. This leads to a plot to get him arrested again by Hanson and Merceron. They try and plant some treasonous oaths on Ross and Ned, but are not successful thanks to Dwight and Caroline. Ned is arrested anyway.
0: Episode 6 Sam has been teaching Rosina to read and is thinking of marrying her until Tess comes along and tries to ruin it by flirting with him. In other words, offering her sinful soul to save. George finds out that Cecily and Jeffrey Charles are seeing each other and pushes the wedding forward. The two lovers prepare to elope. Ned goes on trial. Dwight tries to testify to his insanity to spare his life, but is unsuccessful. Ned is found guilty of treason and is set to be hung, drawn, and quartered. Demelza finds out someone is stealing ore from the mine and follows Jacka, realizing he is smuggling something. Back in London, Ross tries to break Ned out of jail, but Ned is worried about the repercussions for Ross if he does. So Ned is hung the next morning. Geoffrey Charles and Cecily are dragged back from their elopement to the wedding chapel, but before she can be forced to marry George, she declares that she has slept with Geoffrey Charles and George refused to marry her. Ross escapes back to Cornwall and as he cries for Ned, Gets knocked upside the head.
1: Episode seven: Ross wakes up after being dumped inside Will Leisure and realizes he was attacked by one of Merceron's men. He also discovered the mine is being used to store weapons by the French. While in London, Ross tells not that Mister Wickham about this, and he in turn asks him to find evidence of a French invasion. Ross also helps Cecily escape from her father, and she and Geoffrey Charles head to Cornwall. They plan to leave on a ship for America as soon as possible, but before they can do that, they're attacked. And Cecily is warned that if she tries to flee with him again, that Geoffrey Charles will be killed. She chooses to break things off with him, and she and Kitty instead head off on a boat to Jamaica. Meanwhile, Ross infiltrates the French smuggling operation.
0: Episode 8 Five months later, Ross is pretending to have an affair with Tess, who is in cahoots with the Frenchies and the ore or thievery. Demelza finds out and leaves him. Ross takes the opportunity of an empty house to invite a French general to stay and learn more about what the French have planned. His intel is intercepted by Mercer on Hansen and George, and though they plan on using the letters to expose him as a double agent, George ruins this by shooting the French general and Hansen. Merceron and Hanson are arrested, Ross becomes a spy, Morwenna gives birth to a girl named Lovejoy, Sam marries Rosina, Demelza announces she is pregnant, Dwight and Caroline reconcile after spending the season adrift from each other, and Ross heads out on a secret mission to France. The end! (laughs) So, um, how does Series 5 compare to the rest of the Poldark saga, Rita?
1: I think for me it was on par with season four in terms of quality and while I did enjoy a large chunk of the season part of it was just a waste of my time quite frankly. I remain completely unconvinced about this fanfic season being necessary. I would have by far preferred for us to have had five seasons of the book being adapted rather than four rushed through seasons and then this one. I don't really think that Debbie took advantage of the source materials enough and that will always niggle away when I rewatch it. So all in all, it didn't quite feel like a last season of a show for me. Even in the last episode when we hurtled through all of the conclusions for all the different characters, it was all a bit detached from the sense of finality, so it went out with a bit more of a whimper than a bang, in my opinion.
0: I have to agree with you, Rita. Um, The season ended for me... Uh, In a bit of a fizzle, uh, after we had three pretty damn stellar opening episodes, Uh, the middle turned into a quagmire of WTFs before returning to the last two, the first being a blink-and-you-miss-it kind of affair, followed by a crazy effort to tie as many loose strings as possible. Uh, We have been fairly vocal about the massive blunder the adaptation team's attempt Uh, was to cover three of Graham's most pivotal novels in two eight-episode series. Um, And to be honest, after we do the rewatch for the PBS airing in a couple of weeks, I may be hard-pressed to watch this one uh, ever again.
1: Well, what a letdown from our glowing praise from (laughs) earlier in the season. I know.
0: I know. Uh, I'm always always going to rewatch series one, and series two, even though series two has the 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 evil towards the end, but um, yeah, this was this was a bit more of a disappointment for me than um, I'd thought it might be. It
1: turned out to be quite dull, and um, that's the worst thing you can say about a television show, really. Even when it's bad, it could yeah. be entertaining. But this was just meh.
0: Yeah. And, you know, trying to cram um, all of these various different plot lines, as well as repeating several of the tropes that we've seen in earlier series, um, it didn't do service to uh, this saga. Um, And it's unfortunate that we wound up having such um, such a jumble of things that Took place um, in this, you know, being given this opportunity for a fifth season.
1: Okay, so before we started this season and we had incredibly low expectations, <laughs> um, we did a whole podcast. In our preview podcast, we discussed what we were excited to see in the upcoming season, and we both agreed that we were most looking forward to the George storyline and we had high expectations about Jack Farthing's performance. Would you say they were met for you?
0: Oh, hell yeah. Um, exceeded my expectations to the nth degree. Uh, his performance this season will remain one of the highlights from the entire series, I think.
1: Oh, definitely. Uh, you also said, I'll be interested in seeing how Moana's character flourishes this season. Now, do you feel satisfied about how that storyline progressed?
0: not so much. I mean, who knew that really giving up a child could be the key to shelving several years of systematic physical abuse? Hashtag heavy, heavy sarcasm. Uh, So yeah, that was a serious fumble, in my opinion, and uh, we'll get more into this in just a bit.
1: Don't forget we made season five predictions. What were they?
0: Oh, um, my season five prediction was... Uh, to have seen, I, uh, you know, I, I'd seen a couple things that made me worry that we'll see another expansion on the keeping secrets things. Uh, in other words, that Ross is not keeping it a hundred with Demelza, and that of course means marital tension. So I'm not looking forward to that. Well, I <laughs> am a freaking wizard.
1: How could you possibly predict this very predictable storyline
0: <sighs> was coming? God. Yeah. And I'm, I am so sick of it with this, with this character and this pairing. I, I, it was painful.
1: Um, I made a whole bunch of season five predictions. Um, start off with, I said, I think Debbie is going to again mischaracterize Ross and his politics as being far more liberal and egalitarian than they are in the novels, So I thought I would be complaining about this a lot more than I was this season, but to be honest, we actually got very little on the Ross's political front. The main reason he was in Parliament at any point was because of Ned, and that seemed to just eat away at anything else.
0: Hmm. I mean, we didn't even have the opportunity to see him uh, really sink his teeth into the slavery debate, which uh, I thought would have been really cool. It was... Part of the whole Save Dead thing.
1: Yeah, and it was just an excuse to have him and George go head-to-head again. Yeah. Boring, we've seen that before. Um, One of my other predictions was, I will have to watch Sam Rosina and it will be mischaracterized. Again, not really an issue because they barely had any screen time. (laughs) I have no idea what this relationship even is, to be honest. All I know is that it happened. And it's hard to have any feelings either way.
0: <laughs> mm. oh, I think they're freaking adorable.
1: Um, I th- also said I think Jack Farthing George will steal the show. Well, that was true.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: And I said I think the kids will probably be allowed to say one or two lines and we will squeal with delight, but they will probably end up on the cutting room floor again. While well, we got a little more than I anticipated, it still wasn't enough, was it?
0: No, not in the slightest love me some pulled our kids
1: okay so we've been rating each episode out of five tricorns every week and i thought it would be a good idea if we talk about our statistics and our average ratings for the season my highest rated episode was the premiere which i gave 4.5 tricorns michelle yours was the premiere and episode three both of which you gave 4.5 The lowest rated episode for both of us was episode 6 which was the Ned Hanging. I gave it 1.5 and you Michelle gave it 2. My average rating for the season was a 3.1 and yours was a 3.3 which is actually slightly down from our average last season but really not by much. Over on Twitter we did a weekly poll and our listeners highest rated episode was quite bizarrely the final i think nostalgia goggles were firmly in place because 65 percent of you gave it five tricorns much much higher than an average of about 50 uh your lowest rated episode was episode five which was the one where ned was screaming about the king being mad and demelza took on the foreigners in cornwall a huge 23% of you gave it just one Tricorn. So, issues. Yeah, and that's about it. Wow, okay. So, top five moments. Uh, My top moment ever was George looking through the window at an and seeing Valentine happily sitting with Ross and then going to kill himself. It really made me sob uncontrollably. Not something I do very often while watching this show, Um. The entire George insanity storyline was just wonderfully performed by Jack Farthing but this one moment was like a gut kick and it did a lot to humanize George for me. I think it might be the moment of the season. What do you think?
0: Um I totally agree. Totally agree. Um I actually rewatched uh that part of the show um just a little while ago and it it was really incredibly performed just so damn good so damn good and uh one thing i will say watching jack run across the lawn <laughs> so funny at trend with in his 90 was <laughs> was kind of hilarious hashtag 90 heartbreaking acting. at the same time <laughs> exactly poor guy
1: not wearing any shoes yeah. running through the moors of cornwall i know in the dark oh bless mm. him um, another moment for me was Dwight and Caroline working together in episode five. Oh. The whole sequence from them trying to blend in on the street to Dwight telling Caroline <laughs> she was wonderful in her saying, I know. It was just like a delight. I love when we get to see flashes of season two Caroline. You know, she's a sensible, capable woman who knows her worth. That has mm-hmm. been lacking in her for the past couple seasons and I yeah. just loved that Dwight was so willing to just bask in her awesomeness. What a dream team.
0: <laughs> oh god. Yeah, that was probably the best part of episode 5 to be honest. Uh, seeing the two of them together and working to try and spare their idiot friend <laughs> <laughs> once again um, from uh, dire consequences. So, um, Completely agree. My
1: next choice is going to be kind of odd for some people but I have to mention that moment where Demelza was walking in the woods with the children and Clarence stared intently at the Trenwith sign
2: mm-hmm. love
1: me a book shout out this little moment yes. was purely there for those of us who know where the story is going and I got a little thrill out of it I think it would have been <laughs> cool if we got a few more moments like this
0: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, all of those moments um Really, just gave me life. That one, in particular, and the the little girl who was playing Clowance really had like the perfect expression on her face uh, when they uh, zoomed in on her looking at that sign. It was that was fantastic.
1: I can't get over how much that little girl just looks like how I imagined Clowance as well.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, fuck me up. Yes,
1: the casting. <laughs>
0: great casting great casting this season my next
1: pick would be anytime Dwight yelled at Ross this season literally take your pick (laughs) it happened in almost every episode Uh, and it was thoroughly deserved Dwight had had to put up with a lot from Ross over the years but especially this year by the time we got to Ross banging on about Ned saving his life I was ready for Dwight to punch him when he was like nah dude (laughs) I saved your life. Not that drunk loser. I felt that. (laughs) Hashtag justice for Dwight.
0: Oh, my God. All of those moments where he had the chance. (laughs) Fool. You fool. (laughs) It was was delightful. And I remember hearing something. uh, It was during the um, kind of run-up towards the premiere where um, I think... Uh, Aiden was in an interview and, and he was talking about Ned and how, you know you know Ross finally has a friend in Cornwall and I was like, wait a second, you've got Dwight standing right there, Ross. He is such but, a Ross you know, sometimes.
1: It's... I think he, he has sort of low-key become <sighs> him when he's talking about him. <laughs> Show some appreciation for your friend. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hmm but you know that could have been a very very coy reference to kind of how uh his relationship uh between Dwight and uh Ned would be for the season so
1: you You never know know. know. he
0: may have been just being you know really clever uh (laughs) hashtag Aiden forever
1: (laughs) so my last pick is Jeremy singing to Demelza I think if I'm making a gift set, this is the real parallel to season one for me. Um, Back then, uh, they had a relationship built on convenience. I mean, Ross and Demelza were kind of grappling with their feelings flourishing between them. And you contrast that with Mm -hmm. 1800s, Remelza. They have built a life and a family together. And now their adorable little son is singing to his mama. I mean... I die. <laughs> the fact um, that singing is how this family bestows love on each other is beautiful yes. and sweet. Also reminds me of a scene from one of the later books where the kids gather around and sing songs together over a new piano. It's just like oh. I just yes. love the Poldark family.
0: Oh my god, my heart explodes for the Poldark family. Mm, I love them so much. Um, well, you know, as, as we've been going along, I, I agree with every single one of your top five. Um, I will add um, the relationship between Jeffrey Charles and Cecily. It, it was truly one of the best things to come out of this series, especially since it was something that was not hashtag in the books. Um, they did a beautiful job developing this relationship, making it believable, not only from a storytelling perspective, but is something that could have been a part of Graham's original story. Uh, and much of the credit for how well this turns out comes from the stellar performances by Freddie Weiss and Lily Dodsworth Evans. So kudos to the two of them. Uh, I can't wait to see, uh, the other things that, that they work on as their careers continue to grow.
1: Hey, GCCC forever.
0: Oh my God. Yes. GCCC. I love it. Um, Okay, um, your least favorite storyline depicted across the series and why?
1: I think I'm going to have to choose the Ned storyline, even though I don't think that it was the worst of the season. I mean, the French invasion plot, the Sam Rosina blinking, you miss it, courtship, or the pointlessness of Tess were all mm-hmm. fighting to be picked. But I think Ned, the Ned storyline's problem is that it ate. It ate a gigantic chunk out of the season. I'd say a good 75% of the season was given way to this plot. And the conclusion of it was so predictable and trite that I don't think you could argue it was worth it. Not when it largely excluded most of the characters and took place hundreds of miles away from Cornwall. It might have been okay to do something like this if this wasn't the final season, but you can't... Mm -hmm feel satisfaction at a show's conclusion when you hardly got to spend time with the characters you
0: grew to love. hmm Agree. Totally agree. Uh, you have hit on the issues around the Ned plot. Um, I'll take on the test plot. Um, uh, I'll admit... Uh, At first, I was intrigued by the addition of Tess to the series. I thought it might present a great opportunity to understand the plight of the, quote, vulgar, end quote, that lived during the time, especially with all the stirrings of revolution that infused the period. Uh, To have her begin her arc resenting the pole darks of all people, um, even being jealous of Demelza and her ascendancy from scullery to a lady, And as we saw in the first three episodes, there were moments when we had that chance, Uh, particularly the little chat in the stable where Demelza admits, once Tess is out of earshot, that she hadn't been completely swept away in the romance of the blue dress moment. She was thoughtful, and if you watch the scene after Ross orders her to bed in Series 1, when she finishes with her tears... She makes up her mind to disobey him and follow him up to the master chamber. Uh, She is determined, and it's a moment of agency that is seldom seen in period dramas of this time frame. Uh, But uh, getting back to Tess, you know, after this high point, her storyline becomes this this wandering morass of annoyance, um, attempting to thwart the only members of the, quote, upper class Uh, who gave a tinker's damn about them, for heaven's sakes. So by the time we see her having been led on by Ross, honestly, girl, did you really think you had a chance? I'm left with very little sympathy for her. Um, All of this time and effort gone into developing a character arc, and all we get out of it is a bye-Felicia moment. I just...
1: (laughs) You're describing the test storyline, but... Pretty much every storyline end, end, ended with a fuh. <laughs> Underwhelming.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was just, it, it was, it was not very satisfying. Anyhow, so uh, which storyline do you wish they'd allowed the chance to breathe and develop?
1: I think the most obvious casualty to the mad rush to the end of the show was Sam and Rosina. For me personally, I know there was no way I was ever going to become attached to that ship because Sam and Emma 5 ever, uh, so it's not such a huge <laughs> blow for me. I'm instead going to pick George's recovery from his mental troubles. Oh, I know they had yeah. to quote unquote fix him in time to give that horrible speech in Parliament the following episode, but it was in retrospect way too abrupt a change and could have been more convincing over the course of a few more episodes and i also think that instead of that weird turn he took at the end of the season it would have been more straightforward to have his breakdown as what leads to his redemption at the end of the season mm-hmm. dwight opened his eyes to the importance of his relationship with his children and it follows that in the end he goes to ross to ask him not to see valentine Having George's character zig back and forth between madness and sanity and being evil and then likable again feels like sloppy mm. writing. It's like his characterization mm. is informed by whatever the plot needs rather than the other way around, which, by the way, is how you're supposed to write things. Debbie? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I I admit that even in the the last episode when uh you know they first learn about Ross's involvement with this smuggling thing, um, you know, Ro- um uh, George, you know, initially feels seems like he is like totally up for doing whatever in order to get revenge on on Ross but then he starts to waver a little bit and it's just it didn't make sense how his feelings went from yeah let's do this thing to uh, this is the, not thinking that this is a good idea but then he still goes to Nampara with these dueling pistols you know was his intent to go and shoot Ross
1: no That doesn't make any sense. Or or
0: was it to save the day? I mean, so it just, it's unfortunate. It's it's unfortunate that there wasn't more clarity in his move towards redemption.
1: And I just have to say, like, by trying to make him zig back and forth between these two extremes, they just make it unnecessarily convoluted and complicated. Like, we already have enough going on in this show. Do we really need George to... be redeemed and then evil and then redeemed and mm-hmm. then evil and then redeemed again in the space of one season. Yeah. Just, yeah. just like, just follow the most clear and l- less complicated storyline because mm-hmm. we don't need all this extra complication, Debbie.
0: Occam's razor, man. <laughs> Occam's razor. Look it up. Um, of course, um, the other, the other storyline was Morwenna's speedy comeback from her trauma with Whitworth and for reasons that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, speaking of character arcs that make you go say, what? You know, this is this is what we got. Say what you will about the Dorwenna Dar- storyline. And I know and I have. That, that, <laughs> and I have. that that you have <laughs> on multiple <laughs> occasions. Um, Elise Chappelle played the hell out of being the tortured and abused uh, wife of a pig dog who systematically raped her as often as he could get his hands on her, who went on to seduce slash have an affair with her sister right under her nose and then threatens to kill her son if the vicar makes a move to touch her again. But this is where it falls to pieces. The adaptation has Morwenna's feelings towards her son change from nothing to sudden adoration. Now, we can't have a mother who willingly abandons her son on this show, now can we? Of course not. Uh, So, what do they do? They tie the woman's miraculous recovery to her literally saying goodbye to her child. What the fuck does that have to do with the years of rape she's endured? Because there was no time to actually have it happen as it should have, because we had too much Ned to deal with. Uh, The end of that storyline did not do justice to the fantastic performance Elise offered us, and that is a damn shame.
1: Um, To be honest, I don't think there is any way that the show could accurately portray the the way that that storyline would have concluded, which was years down the line. It would have been a very slow, like everyday thing of her slowly getting more comfortable with her husband and it it wouldn't have happened like overnight her going okay I'm ready today it would have been just I mean it's not the most dramatic of storylines to have her every day getting slightly more comfortable but that's that's all that could have happened <laughs> like I there was no magical switch that was ever gonna get turned and so by making it her child I can see like She tried to, like, bring a shortcut to this unshortcuttable, does that make sense, situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was something that didn't make any damn sense. But it was just so freaking random. Didn't make any damn sense. I
1: mean, maybe you could have just shown them a sort of, like, kissing one episode and then like all holding hands and then getting closer mm-hmm. and just, like over the course of the season instead of just mm-hmm. like a light switch went off and suddenly she would fuck him because that's what it was
0: <laughs> yep pretty much <sighs> everything about that storyline is crap yeah that, that was just that was just frustrating so best performances
1: uh for me it's still jack farthing mm-hmm. when i think about the season his nighty acting will always be the first thing <laughs> i think about <laughs> <laughs> but I also have to applaud all the new cast members. Carrie McLean as Kitty Despard, Peter Sullivan as Ralph Hansen, Lily Dodsworth Evans as Cicely Hansen, Freddie Wise as Jeffrey Charles, Tim Dutton as Joseph Merceron. All excellent work and to do so coming into the final season of a hit show like this is no easy feat. So like mm-hmm. really well done to everyone. There wasn't a bad performance. Anywhere in sight.
0: Right. Uh, agree with you. Um, I'm also going to offer up massive kudos to Woody Norman, who played Valentine this season. You know, there were so many moments where he'd had to offer up fairly nuanced performances, and he really nailed them every time. So that's that's an accomplishment. So congratulations.
1: You know who he reminds me of? Hmm. The uh, Jeffrey Charles from the 1970s version that we were both like, oh my God, this kid's amazing. And then we did the research and we found out he was on the cover of that Led Zeppelin album. Yes.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I
1: hope Woody is on his own version of a Led Zeppelin album.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh... So uh, we got a lot of stuff in our inbox. Uh, Thank you so much for reaching out to us. Uh, We're going to dive straight in. So uh, Rita, take it away.
1: Our first one is from our own little fairy tale who said, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to you wonderful ladies for doing this fan cast. I listened to it from the start and you've never failed to bring a smile to my face and brighten up my day. Oh, thank you. Yes. I don't know how to respond to compliments other than to just say <laughs> thank you you've made me uncomfortable <laughs> our next one is from anonymous I love your podcast do you ever get any comments from people who strongly disagree with your views about the character and think Elizabeth is wonderful and Demelza is horrible I just read some comments on Lipstick Alley and was horrified by what was said especially since they use the books to back up their statements
0: Oh, oh dear. Um, well, I hope I don't ever read Lipstick Alley <laughs> <laughs> because I think I might be tempted to throw things at my computer. Um, but uh, you know, we've had we've had some folks that have uh, had different opinions about uh, the characters. I don't know if we've ever had um, anyone say that Demelza was horrible. Um, I'm
1: sure people have thought it over the years, especially when oh, she sure. cheated on Ross.
0: Sure. Um, but yeah, we've had people that have thought Elizabeth was, uh, simply fantastic. Um, and, you know, we just have to respectfully disagree with them. Um, you know, after reading the, uh, original content, uh, watching this series, as well as the 70, uh, 1970s adaptation, um, you know, we, you know, we've come to the conclusion that, you know, Elizabeth is, um a fairly selfish creature. Um and um and I by creature I don't mean that uh derogatorily. Um, you know, she is someone who uh is uh craving that adoration and that admiration uh from you know a person that you know she really should just leave well enough alone uh that being Ross. Um so yeah it happens.
1: it happens. I think the thing is that after having read the books, it's very clear to us that she might be a complicated woman, but she's still painted as a villain in them. And even mm-hmm. complicated villains have fans. Look at all the people yeah. who love Darth Vader because he has a sad backstory. I mean, mm-hmm. it happens in every <laughs> fandom we can't accommodate every single view possible. We have our own opinions and we share them. That's the best we can ever do. So sorry, Elizabeth Stans. It ain't going to happen for you.
0: <laughs> Not here, that's for sure. Um, but thanks for your question, Nani. Uh, we have another anonymous Say uh, they um, did a rewatch of the final episode, and it was really a fantastic episode, the best of the series. It was rushed, but the acting was sublime, especially with Ross and Dwight. Their facial expressions, oh, my God. Uh, Jack or Demelza and Jack were fabulous, too. Uh, talked to a friend of Debbie Horsfield, and she said Ross could not tell Demelza. He knew that, that her face would give it away, or she would try Bullshit. to help at least... Yeah yeah I call bullshit on that too. At least she knew the safer the least she, was. she knew the
1: safer she was.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah uh, I don't think so. Um he was warned that they would come after his family. Oh,
1: none of this he happened what? on screen. <laughs> Sorry.
0: He he, he was um it all became too much for him though. Eventually he had to have help from Jeffrey Charles and Dwight. None of this came across on screen. <laughs> None of it. None no, of this came across on convinced. screen. Um, yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Charles was a cadet and it's, and it was sort of a replacement for Francis. The oar was rushed, but it was pushed away in carts. Tess needed to be on Ross's side. She could have easily grasped him to the English. The only way to keep her on his side was pretend to court her. She fell for him and Demelza would think that was enough punishment Which is ridiculous. Tess tried to kill the kids. Tess has lost everything, though, and looked utterly broken. (sighs) Well, if all of that was supposed to have have happened and and driven Ross to, you know, make this decision not to uh, be truthful to Demelza, it sure as hell did not come across. It
1: definitely didn't. If you're going to have this storyline try and justify his secret keeping in some way rather than just... We have to make too many assumptions as a viewer for that to hold up. And I shouldn't have to be doing that. It's not my job to justify Debbie's writing. Our next question was, Rita, can you explain at what point in the final episode that you went from two tricons to five tricons and why? Um, It was when George shot that dude. I was like, yay, this is the greatest thing that mm-hmm. ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> i am here for a george redemption i'm always here for a george redemption i don't know why it's a failing in me i see the positive in george um and like look the only thing i wanted from the final episode was a sense of some kind of conclusion and from like that we may we got a really rushed conclusion of just like sarah and rosina are married there's a baby being born George is leaving Cornwall, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's all I wanted from the episode. And um, even if it was just 10 minutes of it, it was good for me.
0: Yeah, but it really should have been like half of it. Right. (laughs) Quite frankly, (laughs) quite frankly. Um, Let's see, another anonymous. Uh, I don't think I saw or heard anything about Tholly or Paul Daniel in season five. Am I right about that?
1: I think Tholly got a brief mention last week, but yeah. Somewhere Ginny, Judd, Dr. Choke, Hugh Bedruggan, Ruth Teague, Reverend Hodges, Tankard, Unwin Trevance are all locked in a basement somewhere.
2: Yeah. And...
0: I mean, remember Ruth Teague? Wow. She comes up later in the books as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, She's As a good do Bedruggan and Choke and Reverend Hodges or Odgers and... Um, Judd uh, is throughout the books, but yeah, they're just all mysteriously missing.
1: They're all on a secret island somewhere off Cornwall going, Help! Yes. they have been <laughs> locked in here!
0: Exactly. Let's see, uh, Beautiful Deepheart says, uh, Hey ladies, I love your podcast and Tumblr content for Poldark so much. Um, I have some vent issues with the show. I've been pulling my hair out with the lack of Ross and Devel- Demelza affection. Uh, Can you not just throw a scene in? Maybe a quick flash of the two post-intimate kissing? Come on, Debbie, they're married. Um, I wilted when I figured the halfway point and realized they intended for Ned's storyline to be a season-long instead of just going home to Jamaica. Season 5 was such a letdown to one of my favorite all-time shows. I just wanted Ross and Demelza (coughs) to have a moment of love and get I healed from her, her abuse and trauma. In your opinion, what is to come? Also, will you tell us if you'll be doing a season recap for Series 5 like you did for 4? Hello! That's Hi, this is what right we're now. doing. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't want you guys and the show to end. Thank you for working so hard on these episodes. It means a lot to get to feel like you're chatting with your friends about this awesome show you watched. Not everyone is interested in Poldark. So to be able to share the fandom and friendship is awesome. Aww. Thank you so much. Uh, and really glad that that you've enjoyed um, our babbling <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to the show. Um, when it comes to your question, uh, in your opinion, what is to come? Um, that's a big who knows. Uh, you know, clearly the um, the it sounds like we are meant to kind of have a maybe they'll be back kind
1: of feeling I get a probably uh, yeah. they'll be back and we'll, I'm just gonna be saying I'm like really
0: <laughs> uh, if they if and when they do come back I really hope that we are able to sink our teeth into some of the content that we have in the later books. Um, so I'm gonna I'll keep my fingers crossed. Uh, I'm going to try and be optimistic for it, um, because I think it would be awesome to see um, some of the later books of Romelza that we get, because it is some of the most delightful uh, commentary that uh, you get to see from Ross and Demelza. I'm going to say it, I
1: prefer older Romelza to younger Romelza.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, They've yeah. got their
1: shit together. They're not annoying. Mm-hmm. They're not cheating on each other constantly. It's the dream.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. So keep our keep. Let's keep our fingers crossed.
1: Okay. So our next question was from anonymous. Thank you so much for continuing your Podunk fan casts. It will help <laughs> ease the pain of the show coming to an end. Kudos to you for sharing your insights and keeping us PodArk fans informed and entertained. Again, thank you. Everyone's being nice. It's weird. It's weird. It's nice. It's nice. Another anonymous said, 10 things I loved about season 5, uh, episode 1. 8? No, episode 8. 1. No Elizabeth. 2. No Elizabeth. 3. No Elizabeth. 4. No Elizabeth. 5, no Elizabeth, 6, no Elizabeth, 7, no Elizabeth, 8, no Elizabeth, 9, no Elizabeth, 10, no Elizabeth. Uh, wait, am I like rowing hallucinating again or was there actually a, 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 a fuckload of Elizabeth at the end? She showed up. I mean, we got ghost Elizabeth for fuck's sake at the end of episode 8.
0: Yeah, we did. Or at least the the ghostly um, wisp of her train. <laughs>
1: Hey, that's enough to get Heidi, Rita, paycheck. So
0: now <laughs> I'm
1: gonna have to s- call bullshit on this one. That was that was Elizabeth. I'm sorry.
0: Oh gosh. Okay. Uh, so we have another anonymous. Uh, Hi, Michelle and Rita. Thank you for all you do. You have made this final sadness more bearable. Loved the last episode, but wish we'd had been episode seven. Poor Melza. She had been so happy with Ross, and to have her heart broken again in that last episode was horrible. Um, there's been very little of them, and to have them estranged while he was at home for once was gutting. I loved it all and her leaving, but not in the final. She, He knew she would find out, surely, they should have talked about Tess instead of how much they owe each other. Um, let her know how much you love her, and he never slept with Tess. Oh, my God, he talked more intimate with Tess uh, sexually than he ever has with Demelza. Dare thy body, let's wait so we can enjoy it. Why do you think Debbie Horsfield had them speak quite formally towards each other? Never, ever have they had any sexy dialogue. Then it fades to black. Our one love scene, and he didn't even start to push her nighty up itchy, <laughs> like elizabeth
1: <laughs> don't mention that
0: Ugh. oh this child wants some bow chicka wow wow definitely um
1: everybody is so horny all the time calm down guys <laughs> that's what fanfic is for
0: um yeah you know we 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 get the impression uh you know that demelza you know demelza says to hear him say you know, the same sweet words he said to me, you know, clearly that is that you were supposed to understand that, you know, they have had those moments of of intimacy. Um, But, you know, it would have been nice to to have to hear him say something like that over the course of the last five seasons. That would have been awesome. Um, But, uh, you know, I kind of had a feeling that we were not going to get a whole lot of um, sexy times with these two this season, Um, and that prediction pretty much kind of came true, or at least that thought that I had in my head uh, pretty much came true.
1: It's good to go in with low expectations, because then we weren't disappointed. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Uh, Here's another anonymous. Uh, Thanks for the podcast, and I'm sorry you did not enjoy the finale, I loved it. It was rushed, but uh, Merwinna timelines with the baby was about right. Uh, I hated Demelza being upset with Ross. Uh, upset, but Ross did it to protect her.
1: <laughs> uh me buffing all over the place. Yeah. You know how I feel about I did it
0: to protect you. Yes, uh, he Let was me a- punch you in the face, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> he was attacked and he was worried for his family. Uh, he got Tess on his side because he knew she would spoil it all.
1: How was she going to saddle up to the Frenchies and tell them Ross wasn't legit because he wouldn't fuck her? Is that what you're telling me? (laughs) I'm sorry, French guys. Ross won't fuck me. That means he's actually, like, really loyal to the crown.
0: (laughs) Demelza in the past gives things away with her face and did not want her involved at all. Um, They did that grand. It was cruel, but he did not plan on her going to the cave. He brought up Tess to put her off. Um, uh, first
1: of all, how dare you say the timeline was right?
0: <laughs> if there is one thing I'm sure
1: of in, in this whole entire world is that the timeline was hella off. Yeah. Mawena should have given birth in the previous year, 1801. And if we are. Five months after Ned's hanging, that puts the show in July of 1803. Okay, first off, but also simultaneously in march 1802 when the peace treaty is being signed i mean can you even understand it because i can't
0: (laughs) oh space time it's a wibbly wobbly timey wimey thing come on now hashtag fesses are cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's just all kinds of kind of jacked up and you've got to admit when Demelza returns to the house and starts to put the moves on the French general, she is doing an absolutely phenomenal job at acting, (laughs) quite frankly. You know, she's not, she, I think if Ross had told her what was going on, she would have been able to keep it together. As you know, you said, you know, last week, She's proven herself in that case. remember when um uh, the the we had the smuggling situation and Ross was being pursued by the uh, redcoats and Demelza, you know, found him, you know,
1: well so remember yeah, found- he
0: actually told her about <laughs> that?
1: he this is what's weird. It's not he he's previously mm-hmm. told her he was smuggling, yeah, so where what's <coughs> Michelle I don't understand. My I brain know. is melting. Okay.
0: okay, let's walk away. <laughs> let's walk away. Okay. Uh here's another anonymous. Uh I totally agree with whoever in your podcast said that their main complaint with the adaptation, uh this adaptation of Poldark was the characterization of Elizabeth and the continued portrayal of the obsession Ross had with her. Uh that has been very discouraging to me, a reader of the books. But I guess it's better to have had this adaptation than none at all. Was the 1975 version better in that regard? Oh, yes. Uh. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Watch the 1975 version. I implore everyone, Mm -hmm. if you can get past the initial what-the-fuckness of how they characterised Melzer in the first few Uh. episodes, uh, that sort of irons itself out eventually, and you will come to super love their handling of the material, especially the character of Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. who is a gigantic bitch, Mm -hmm. but still way more likeable than this version. Mm -hmm. Yep. Somehow. Just be a bitch, Elizabeth. Just embrace your bitch, who knows? Um, (laughs) Our next anonymous said, I just listened to your podcast. Thank you so much. I looked forward to it all week. You didn't talk too much about the scene where Dwight confronts Ross and asks him if he still loves Demousa. Please dissect it and let us know your thoughts about Dwight's part in the conversation. And also Ross's reaction to this question. It seems like Ross had two reactions. The first was emotionally like... Are you crazy, of course, I love her, followed quickly by I no longer love her
0: acting. That's a really good point, um, and that was one of the scenes that that you know, kind of got lost in the huh? about the the last episode. Um, I went back and watched this so that I, I could uh comment on that. I'm, I think it's a great example of the acting chops we see in both Aiden and Luke, um and it was really. Um, it was really beautiful to see, you know, they've had a little bit of a tumultuous relationship over the course of this season. And, you know, as you said earlier, Rita, you know, Dwight had the opportunity to, to slap Ross up. Okay. Verbally slap Ross upside the head, um, and ask him, you know, are, are you crazy? Are you, you know, what is going on? And, uh, I thought that, Um, the way that that scene played out was really pretty beautiful. So, good catch.
1: I also like watching that scene just to watch Luke Norris play what Dwight is saying and not saying because Mm -hmm. we know what he's not saying and yet somehow you can read it all across his beautiful little face. Fantastic moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, our next question was also from Anonymous. Lovely listen, gals. This series needed 10 episodes like season two, especially because of Ned. Oh my God, can you imagine I would Mm -hmm. have actually shot myself? (laughs) (laughs) No offense, guys, but I can't do 10 podcasts without wanting to cry. Um, She continued, uh, Ross, in his mind, needed to protect Demelza. He had been let let for dead. Ned warned him they would come after his family. Also, Valentine warned him he became distant with Demelza to get in the zone with Tess he knew he needed her to keep quiet once he knew she was in with the French she would have grasped on Ross unless he pretended to woo her keep your enemies closer horrible for Demelza though with Dwight and Caroline Caroline thought she would be ready but she was still grief stricken it made them both distant sexually and in every way I get it nothing like the loss of a child Then Kitty made her feel useless. Dwight adored her and Caroline felt like she was not needed. I'm shocked you never mentioned the Dwight and Ross scene. That was fab acting. Ross and Tamil over Tamu once he knew Demelza knew and he said, Oh God, I do not love her. It was like he was saying to Dwight, of course I love her, you fool. Then he told Dwight that he no longer loved her to make him go. Dwight had a tear and he had to swallow fab acting, agree with you over George too, and the baby coming all in one ep. Too much to take in, the cliff ending was really sad and I broke my heart. Uh, it was not final enough, estranged for most of the final episode ever and then apart for the first time ever. Sad cry face, thanks ladies. So what we're getting in a lot of these questions as people defending the writing here. Guys! <laughs> Guys. Yeah. We yeah. do not think Ross was the the right the whole Ross lying to Demelza thing makes any sense. You might, but you're making a lot of assumptions mm-hmm. here that's not there in the writing. Yeah. For the billionth time, like Yeah. I need things to be stated in the show and Ross's rationale was one mm-hmm. of those things that he never talked about. Even afterwards, he was never like I'm so sorry I didn't tell you these are my reasons. mm
0: mm-hmm. Mhm
1: it would have been really like a 5 second conversation
0: <laughs> exactly you know the the scene where you know they are you know it's after it's after all of the craziness has happened and they're you know in the bedroom you know and he's saying lovely things to Demelza you know he could have said you know i'm so sorry you know they they'd threatened you they threatened the the family you know i couldn't tell you you know that type of thing they could have thrown that right. line in there and it would at least have given us a little bit of justification for his behavior. But, you know, I, I'm sorry. I am not going to sit there and build a logic chain uh, for why a character does what they do just in order to, to support the performance. I'm sorry. Um, that's not my job. It's not my job to do that.
1: It's very similar to what happened with Morwenna as well.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It, it is, it's not our responsibility as viewers to build up this backstory to justify the behavior. It is the responsibility of the writer, the actors, the directors, etc. So, no more excuses.
1: That should just be like, we should play that like at the beginning of every episode. Like, we're not going to make excuses for the writing or for the plot holes. Mm-hmm. That's not our job.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Anonymous. Uh, ever thought Demelza may have interfered, but if he had told her, her face gives her <laughs> away. It, again, this is the same thing. Um. It was cruel. He loved his family the most. He said how much he loved his family. That's why he never told Demelza. It was the right thing to do not necessarily what not necessarily what the viewer wanted to see
1: again again for the billionth time Demelza has never interfered or stopped him from his crazy schemes though literally we've had five Mm -hmm. seasons of Ross going hey I'm gonna do this thing Demelza going no Ross no Ross don't do that thing and then Ross does it anyway and she always supports him no matter what Mm -hmm. even in season two when he has just nearly got hanged and he immediately goes into smuggling and taking crazy dumb Mm -hmm. irrational risks she supports him and covers for him and lies to the redcoats on his behalf they're like standing in her fucking living room and she is very good Mm -hmm. at masking her panic the idea that he couldn't tell demelza is a fabrication of debbie's that honestly doesn't even seem in character for ross He's never, like, lied to about something like this to her before. He lies about stupid shit, like mm-hmm. money. He lies about money a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, Ross is honest to a fault to Demelza most of the time in the novels. You're always like, Ross, shut up. She doesn't need to know that that's going to hurt her. <laughs> this is not a Winston Graham... Uh, compliant narrative okay I don't care what anybody says this is yep. not in character for us
0: <sighs> no I feel like we've just nope. drove ourselves crazy <laughs> oh yeah maybe a little tiny <laughs> we bit we still got more um, let's shift over to email um, where I think folks have uh, more space to be able to provide us with a little bit more to chew on so this is from Kota and it says, "Well, it has been almost two years since I last wrote to you guys about Pol Dark, but trust me, I have been listening to every single episode of the podcast religiously. Each week, I cared more about how you girls felt about an episode than how I felt. Um, oh, oh dear, um, and have come to rely on you to make me feel better about not liking particularly non nonsensical episodes this season. Being such a huge fan of the books and the incredible performers on the show. I feel really conflicted sometimes on how I should enjoy this beautiful show they have created without getting stuck on the many deviations from the original plot lines and characterizations of the books. Sister, we understand. (laughs) Um, Seriously, my family and friends do not understand what the big deal is. (laughs) God, (laughs) that's the truth. Um, Coming to the latest and last episode of the show, I'm so depressed at the thought of it. Um, I did not have... Very high expectations, to be honest. The repetitive use of certain plot lines was incredibly frustrating. And the way the whole French general story was crammed in there just to create, in my opinion, yet another rift between Ross and Demelza felt dishonest. What in, What is amazing is the brilliant performances the cast keeps giving even after these many episodes. I really applaud their conviction even after being undeserved a few times this season. this season times. Caroline comes to mind. Every moment of the show that was even in the vicinity of what the characters were like in the books was for me worth bearing out. Bearing the out-of-character behaviors throughout this season. There were also some excellent dialogues that I will remember for a long time. But in the end, Debbie has managed to give a satisfactory resolution to all the storylines, even the most convoluted ones, and has given us the Romelza moments we so dearly missed in the last... Couple of episodes. I think that overall season five story arc fits well in the 10 year gap between Angry Tide and The Stranger from the Sea. We just have to ignore some of the uncharacteristic things our favorite fictional people have said and done. And it is given terrific performances, especially by Jack Farthing. Even in this final episode, I loved how he played his emotions in a very subtle manner. We had standout performances from almost all the cast. Even the actress who played Tess made me feel for her. I will miss the show very much, but I hope you guys continue to do the podcast. I'm here for any content you put out there. Oh, you guys thanks. are amazing. Thanks. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your support, um, and glad that that we've been able to uh, give you the opportunity to go. Okay. Okay. I, I'm not. <laughs> no. I'm not crazy. <laughs> it's good to get validation like that every now and then i don't know about
1: that i feel like i definitely am still a little crazy but okay (laughs) (laughs) okay so our next email was from grace she said i'm bereft five years and it's all over thank god you two are still here talking about poldark I'm rereading The Loving Cup at the moment, having started from The Stranger from the Sea just before Series 5 started, in case I could pick up any clues for the series. Just before Episode 8 aired on Monday night, I read, quote, Don't forget the end of the Treaty of Amiens, Caroline said to Dwight. 10,000 British tourists interned as prisoners of war. Yourself and Ross escaping back across the channel by the skin of your teeth. And me alone in this house carrying Sophie. End quote. (laughs) If only this series had gone a little further, we could have had some drama actually based on Winston Graham's ideas. I enjoyed episode (laughs) 8. As many others have said, less of the Ned storyline and more of the interaction of our favourite characters would have been wonderful. But at least we got some of that in the last episode. Ross and the French Plot was a bit melodramatic, but my husband enjoyed it, and he has been made to watch Five Years of Poldark with me. <laughs> so I think some, <laughs> of series, sorry, some of the action in this series—sorry, some of the action in this series—satisfied the non-book readers, even if the rest of us have picked over every little detail to discuss. I'm listening to the Poldark CD with Anne Dudley's wonderful music and have a tear in my eye. Girls, keep talking Poldark—we need you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you're not gonna, you're not getting away from us uh, so easily. We will definitely be here talking about Poldark for a while.
1: Still, so much Poldark to discuss. <laughs> Lord,
0: so much Lord, po-dark. help
1: us. This too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, we got an email from the other Michelle, and uh, I'm, I, we're gonna break this up so that <laughs> so that we can address all the things that were were noted in here. Um, Let's see, number one, not all of the characters bought into the St. Lizzie hype, though Ross never appeared to see through it. Characters who saw through Elizabeth, i.e. saw her true nature, were Charles, Francis, Agatha, Demelza, Prudy, Judd, Carrie, George, Caroline, and Dwight. In short, every major character in season one except Verity, who only saw the good in people, and Ross, hashtag the idiot. Two. The sex between Ross and Elizabeth was consensual. Elizabeth led Ross on, told him she was unhappy in her marriage, did not love Francis, loved Ross, made the wrong choice, regretted her decision, did everything in her power to stay attached to Ross and to break up his marriage. As to the no means yes trope, which inevitably follows, it is a trope now, but was not thought to be when the books were written. More importantly, I think there is a way to view it as making sense for these specific characters in the context of these books. Societal convention at the time for a woman in Elizabeth's position that she could never openly admit that she wanted or agreed to have sex with a married man, even if she did and he was married to a mere scullery maid. However, Oof. in the storyline to
1: up to the night, Elizabeth gave Ross every indication up until he learned that she accepted george's proposal that she still loved and wanted ross this is another reason why it was so hard for ross to accept her decision to marry george it was completely counter to everything she said to him and did up to that point she was also choosing to marry quote his greatest enemy end quote the man who tried to have him hung it did not Mm -hmm. fit the idealized version of elizabeth that ross had created I don't know a good way of saying this. The best I can come up with is that Elizabeth said no to Ross at first, not because she wanted or meant it, but because she knew she was supposed to say no. In effect, it's another example of how Elizabeth's words and actions were governed by the conventions of the society in which the character existed.
0: See, the strongest evidence that I have that the sex between Ross and Elizabeth was consensual comes from the books themselves. Winston Graham did not shy away from writing about rape or using the word rape. The last line of the scene describing Morwenna and Ozzy's wedding night says, and then he raped her. The Ross Elizabeth night was not presented as rape. Anger, frustration, and physical attraction on both sides, yes, but not rape. In short, if it had been raped, Winston Graham would have said so. As an aside, I think Elizabeth followed societal conventions mainly because she agreed with them. She knew nothing else and had no reason to question them. She ignored societal conventions when they prevented her from getting what she wanted, Ross. On the night, she had time to call for help, but she chose not to. She tried to reason with him. She instead tried to reason with him, maybe because she wanted to keep her hold on him and his admiration. She was and remained incredibly selfish narcissistic to the bitter end. And yes, my word choice is both literal and ironic, given the way in which she died, Which, oh, by the way, explains the way in which her death was written in the books. Woo!
1: Heavy stuff, but...
0: Yeah, really heavy stuff.
1: Agree with it.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Um, very much so. Uh, and, you know, if I had one word of advice for anyone listening is, you will truly enjoy the books. Um... Get the audiobooks if you're really not into sitting down uh, with a book and reading it and you know listen to it while you're you're commuting or something along those lines. Um, the performance could be better, <laughs> but the material um, that we get from Winston, uh, his writing, is simply impeccable. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why this series continues to be um, something that people um, latch on to you know, even all these years after. So read the books, get the audiobooks, and then come join us for a book club, <laughs> which we'll we'll get into um, later after we've finished up uh, a few things.
1: In about two weeks' time, there's going to be a sale on our T Public site. That is teepublic.com dot com forward slash user forward slash. Poldark fan fancast you can get 35 percent off so buy yourself a t-shirt because yes. you know they're cute you can look yeah. cute in them oh oh and they've also they've just started doing like little uh, pins oh I might buy loads of pins and just start handing them out to people like here listen to Poldoc fancast never seen the show <laughs> you can start now. Uh, that's all from us in this week's podcast we're taking a little break following the season because we need the rest people we've gone fully insane over the course of the last few
0: weeks (laughs) word word word
1: but we'll be back in a fortnight when season five airs over in the states with a rundown of what has been cut from the show on pbs Mm
0: -hmm. following
1: that we'll be doing our much promised comparison episode of the 1975 version versus the 19 the 2015 version and we'll also have a tv movie and several books to talk about oh my god we're gonna be here till sometime in 2025 Uh, so (laughs) (laughs) don't you dare unsubscribe we have so much content Uh, yes email us at podock at gmail.com follow us on twitter tumblr instagram or facebook We're Poldark Fancast everywhere. And please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you do listen. Uh, Because after 100 episodes, that's really the least you can do for us, quite frankly. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you in two weeks. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye.
2: We don't fuck with lies. We don't do goodbyes. We just keep it pushing like aye aye aye. I'ma hit you back in a minute. I will play tag, bitch. you am in it. We don't fuck with lies. We don't do goodbyes. We just keep it pushing like aye aye aye.